welcome to the Cup and Saucy Book Club. I'm Jen. And I'm Zana. What's in your cup today, Zana? Today I'm drinking a Tea Kuan Yin from Adagio Tea. And it is moderate caffeine. It's got a nice kind of a little earthy taste. It's very nice. How about you? Well, today I have a very, very special chai blend that was given to me by you Ah. at Readers Take Denver. And I am enjoying this so much. I really wish that she could uh, bottle this, uh, uh, listeners, because... This is this is really incredible. It's really the spice of it. It's got a lot in it. <laughs> it's got a lot going on, and but it's it's beautiful. And and thank you for sharing it with me, Zana, because it's it's. I feel like you're here with me. Ah, yay! I love that one. It's yeah. such a it's so. Mm. <sighs> and we had and we had such a good time in Denver. Everybody, we did. Um, yes, it, it was. Great and we fun. got to meet so many of you. Um, during Readers Take Denver, and we got to meet so many incredible writers and authors, narrators, and and so many others that we will be talking to in future episodes. So uh, looking forward to that. And actors, too. And actors, too. I mean, not that narrators aren't actors. They are. Uh, but no, narrators are actors, too, because that's performance. But like uh, screen actors. Yeah. And and so we have a lot of um, exciting things coming up in future episodes. Yes. Uh, but we had a great time, and it was my first book convention. I know it was yours too, Zana. I mean, what do you what do you think? I mean, we've gone to other types of conventions. I've been a convention goer for uh, most of my life. I can say that now. And mostly it's been things like um, science fiction, fantasy conventions. And uh, then there was a, a convention for the TV show that we were, were both in the fandom for. It, it was more similar, I think, to the fan convention that, that where we met in some yeah. ways then then does something like a dragon con or a comic con uh, but it had elements of that too so it was really neat a neat setup because you had the you had the signing areas where you know people had their tables and you know you could go talk to the authors you could go talk to the narrators and have them sign things but you also had panels which was neat that um that had some interesting subjects and you know, you got a chance to hear a little bit more about the thought processes of the the people on the panels, and I thought that was that that was a little bit more like the type of convention that I'm used to going to, and and I really like that. I have been to like a library sponsored book convention, but it was in my town, and it was it was yeah. basically just local authors for the most part. From what I understand that that's actually more unusual to have panels mm -hmm. for this type of thing. But because one of the major components of this particular convention was the addition of Passion Flicks, uh, the streaming romance service, mm -hmm. and they had uh, a couple of premieres. Uh, they were premiering Wait With Me, which is from the book by Amy Dawes, and then also The Secret Life of Amy Benson, which is from the Lisa Renee Jones, which is a series on Passion Flicks, and they were uh, showing a couple of those episodes, plus people from uh, Passion flicks, actors, uh, people involved with the projects, and of course the authors 
of each of those books. And so each of the, the um, so there was that whole part of it. And we got to get all dressed up fancy. Yeah, we got to get all in our fancy, fancy clothes and and walk the red carpet and yeah, and go to one of those premieres. So there were panel discussions with with all of them, plus panels on there was not just romance at this particular convention, but there was also yeah. thrillers and mystery mm-hmm. as well. And so there were lots of different types of panel discussions based on your particular interests, right. which were really enjoyable. And then the narrators themselves got a couple of panels that were just about them, which were a lot of fun. And I attended both of those uh, they were they were great. <laughs> I sadly got to neither one of those. Um, I really wanted to go to the second one for sure. The first one was during, it was like a interactive detective for a day uh, session, which was fun. Yeah, coming from more of the mystery and and thriller sort of genre in my own reading habits, that was definitely a a top item for me to go to, and uh, and that was that was super fun. Um, with a bunch of, so they had a bunch of authors playing the parts of, and we questioned them, so uh, the suspects and the and the witnesses, and so that was fun. Yeah, so you got to be your own detective. Yes, I got to be a detective, which is, of course, a lifelong dream. <laughs> yeah, even had a detective agency with the neighborhood kids when I was when I was growing oh, up. Oh, um, delving into Xana's past. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's maybe sharing too much. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, but it was it was great fun. And I am sad that I missed the narrator thing because it had probably the best idea I've seen in a long time. And I think we should do this on TikTok or or um, oh or, yeah, so or sk- suggest this as a as a as a challenge because it was so much fun to hear about. So one of the panels was, uh, one of the narrator panels had them read things that are not in a romance book and the variety of things that they read. And had to sexy read, I guess. And had to sexy read, yes, yes. You you read it as a romance narrator, but these were uh, common, much more common things to read. So yeah. The back of packages, emails, cookbook instructions. If I were to do this with what I have on my desk right now, it would be Vaseline, lip therapy, advanced healing. (laughs) Yeah, so that kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah, and for mine, it would be from a a, a box of uh, stickers that we we have and we're giving out. Round, peelable. Not an orange. Ooh. Your stickers have arrived. I mean, come on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of of mystery, uh, as we were, um, we uh, did a little different this time, and I assigned you a mystery to read. So what did I assign you to read today? Yeah, you gave me The Murder of Mr. Wickham by Claudia Gray, which I gotta say, this sort of hits two sweet spots for me. It's a sort of a cozy mystery in the the, the fashion of like an Agatha Christie or something like that. And it's a Austin, Jane Austen homage 
which, you know, big time Jane Austen fan of, you know, I, I discovered my previous fandom coming off of a Pride and Prejudice bender. And uh, <laughs> just I'm <laughs> like consuming everything I could, Pride and Prejudice. And then finally, I was just like, I need to do something else. And that's where I found Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries, which we've talked about before, which I'm, you know, still pretty huge in the fandom and I still love it. But, uh, but yeah, this was great. It was, um, it, so it took a lot of different characters from the main Jane Austen works. So it has yes. um, Emma Woodhouse and George Knightley, who are married for some time now, are hosting uh, a house party. And they invite people to this house party that are like Elizabeth Bennet and Fitzwilliam Darcy from Pride and Prejudice. And they're who are also now married with who son. are now married, and they've got several children. But they also bring with them their their grown son. I think he's tw- he's he's not quite. Yeah, he's twenty one. Twenty one. Uh, Jonathan. Um, Jonathan yeah. Darcy. Yeah, Jonathan Darcy. And then there's Fanny Price and Edmund Bertram from Mansfield Park, and they have not been married that long, maybe four years or so. And then and Elliot and Frederick Wentworth from. Persuasion. They have been married for for a while, but their um, Frederick has uh, lost his fortune that he made privateering, I guess, in the yeah. in the navy to a mysterious figure that we'll meet um, shortly. And uh, let's see, Juliet Tilney is an, an original character, and she's the 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 late teens daughter of uh, Henry Tilney and Catherine Moreland from Northanger Abbey. And they do not attend the party. Uh, so they are the only main characters uh, from Austin books who do not attend the party. And I missed, and importantly, um, Marianne Dashwood and her brand new husband, Colonel Brandon. Yes. From Sense and Sensibility. Yes. You know, and otherwise the other side characters tend to be from Emma, like, Frank Churchill, um, and then his daughter with uh, Jane Fairfax, uh, Grace Churchill, and yes. so and and those are sort of other characters from Emma, and the and the characters there's others that are mentioned, um, but they're not featured in the um, like uh, Eleanor Dashwood is yes. is mentioned um, when when Marianne is talking about her her sister. So the other thing. That I haven't, the one I haven't mentioned yet, other than in the title, is Mr. George Wickham. Yes. So he's from Pride and Prejudice. Yes. He's a scoundrel. Um, you know, he has married Elizabeth Bennett's sister, Lydia, um, which happened in the book Pride and Prejudice. He um, was yes. forced. He, he In a scandalous way. Yeah, so he, he had defiled her. You know, basically, they had sex before marriage. And... And so Darcy basically forces him to marry Lydia. Because, uh, well, because they have a previous history. So for anybody who is out there who has not read Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> you, should do, you should do so uh, because it's a classic. You should do so. It is a classic for a reason. Uh, but uh, George Wickham had also 
attempted to seduce Georgina Darcy, who is Fitzwilliam Darcy's younger sister. And he had been the son of one of the stewards on the Darcy estate. And so he had grown up with Darcy. So they, they, they had a long previous history. Basically bringing him into the Bennett family makes them related by marriage too, which is, you know, problematic, but the best, the best solution for the time. The best of a lot of bad yeah. options. Yeah. And so as revealed throughout the book, Lydia and Wickham have a daughter, Susanna, yes. which is, you know, of course, that's my given name, even though I go by Zanna. Um, and <laughs> so, you know, I had special affinity yeah. for Susanna. And and the poor thing having brought, been brought up in that home, God help her. Poor thing was <laughs> brought up in this terrible home with, with Lydia and Wickham and and ends up spending a whole lot of time with her aunt Elizabeth and, and uncle Fitzwilliam and w- around their sons. And the, I won't spoil anything else about it, but it's creates kind of a tension. Yes. Um, how, how she was dealt with um, creates a tension with the Bennett's and Wickham even more so than they already have. I mean, they already hate the guy, but even though he's yeah. a brother. He is forced into that role and they are forced to accept him. Uh-huh. But it is it is reluctance on all sides. Yeah. But that so that is the background coming into the book when we come to the original material for Claudia then she as the title suggests <laughs> basically intersects yeah. so she she intersects and she all of these people are are somehow connected other than they were written by the same woman and some of them and which makes a certain amount of sense for the time span from which these these books sprang as well as yes. the fact that most of these people are connected somehow to nobility um, or right. within or or, to, or nobility or, adjacent yeah, yeah or at least you know the peerage in some way connected. Right. The one percenters all know each other, you know. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> because so, that's, that is essentially who we're talking about here. Yeah, I mean, exactly. They, w- they would have been all titled or wealthy uh, in some fashion. And those who aren't necessarily titled or wealthy are at least connected by family yeah. to those who yes. are. So there, there's yeah. a lot of second or third sons who, you know, maybe like a, Bertram, um, who went into the priesthood, not priesthood. Uh, Vicarage. Vicarage, thank you. Yeah. You know, which is the standard thing for the non-firstborn son. Your options as a a second son of landed gentry was either... As an honorable. (laughs) uh, Yeah, as as an honorable. You were either a soldier or... uh, or somehow connected to the Church of England, either as a vicar, parson, whatever. And that pretty much describes all the men in this book. <laughs> so they're either vicars, vicars or soldiers, or Mr. Darcy, or Mr. Knightley, too. Vicars or soldiers, or they are landed gentry themselves. I think Darcy and Knightley are the only landed gentry. Uh, yes, that's correct. Yeah. That are physically in the book. But there's they're they're all connected. They are they are all connected. It is not a huge leap to to connect these characters. I mean, you know. Yeah. No, uh, it isn't. England's England's a small country. <laughs> so, it is. Yeah. Uh, and and the peerage would know each other and mm-hmm. the landed gentry would know each other and you know, they would all have 
their various estates and then their uh, and then their houses in town when the London season was going on. Right. So, you know, if they would have all done the season, any of you are fans of Regency romance, you you right. know this very well. This was a great premise to start with. If you were going to have a book about characters that had to be in a house party together. Right. Then this is a great building block because these are all richly drawn characters to begin with. Yeah. And then to, you know, bring them all together is, is it's, it's an Austinite fantasy land. I mean, really. It is. It is. <laughs> it's Austin land. Uh, <laughs> it, it's Austin land and it's the better Austin land, you know, because there's yeah. no like, oh uh, yeah, we're just kind of play acting at this, you know, <laughs> this is really happening. Um, and so they all come, t- they all come together and then there you have the, and then when the mystery happens and some of them know each some of them know each other at the start and some of them don't so yes. The, yes. that's also sort of realistic is that that you know it was like while while the main they all know the nightlies that's yeah they all know the nightlies that's at least common right the nightlies are sort of the the center of this it's in it's in the same town and everything as emma and yes so it's all kind of sprung from Emma and also sprung from Emma is that she has decided the reason why they have the oldest son of the Darcy's and this newly eligible to be married daughter of um, Northanger Abbey, Julia Tilney is because Emma's trying to make at matchmaking again. Yes. And so she's trying to matchmake between these two young people Jonathan is pretty heavily coded as autistic. Yeah, I would definitely say. The, a lot of the things are maybe a little too on the nose for some of the, somebody to make a armchair diagnosis of. Yeah, but he definitely on the spectrum for sure. Sure. Um, which wasn't really, exi- I mean, it totally existed back then, but it was much more. Yeah, it wouldn't have been discussed that way. It wouldn't have way. discussed in that way. And so that. And in, in, if anything, that's the only thing that kind of brought me out of it um, was that it would be like, oh, we're talking about his autism again. Well, they but they would have said they would have said he was sort of peculiar in a way or that he is not yeah. very good. You know, he's very, very quiet, reserved. But, you know, but also he he's has. It, it's not how the characters talk about him. It's how, because it's done in third person narrative, it's how the narrator is talks about him. It's how the narrator speaks of him, yeah. Uh, yeah, there is, there is a lot of that. It's not so bad that it made me not enjoy the book, but it, it was one of those things that brought me out of, oh, this was written right. in the time, or of the time. Um, and it made it... it slightly put it on the spectrum of fan fiction for me and it Uh, is because because it is you know i mean it's it's taking characters from another from another source and making your own work from it there's some brilliant fan fiction and this is some of the better fan fiction and calling it fan fiction doesn't take away from its legitimacy at all i i agree a hundred percent i'm a I, I enjoy fan fiction and I I'm just 
some of our listeners may have preconceived notions about fan fiction. Yeah. They should not. Um, it's actually yeah. a wonderful medium for for expressing stories. That said, this is one of the better, you know, fan fiction type things. I've read plenty of even published Pride and Prejudice fan fiction. Like I said, I was on a bender. I did the thing. You know, I read all everything connected to Pride and Prejudice. And there's a spectrum of, of good and bad fan yeah. fiction. Yeah. I mean, everything up and up into um, the uh, Hank Green's um, produced uh, the Lizzie Bennett Diaries, which was um, done on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which which was, I love, uh, you know. I, I yeah, that, that was great that was, fun. That was a lot of fun. Um, and... But that's fan fiction too. Uh, it's a modern retelling of Absolutely. Pride and Prejudice, um, and uh, we'll have a link in the show notes to check it out. But it's it was it was great. Well, I mean, even even Dante's Inferno is fan fiction for the Bible. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and exactly. I mean, fan fiction goes back to uh, goes back to you know they've they've got they've. They've got they've got Roman um, Roman documents that are or stories that are fan fiction. Oh sure, you know. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, well, Homer. Yeah. Come on, uh, you know. Most of Homer is fan fiction. Most of Homer is fan fiction. <laughs> let's be honest. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there's there is um. You know, anyone who would dismiss it as as just fan fiction. Doesn't really um, understand. You know, doesn't really understand is. the that concept of it, um, mm -hmm. you know. But there, but there is also, you know, you talked about it being that there were these sort of modern elements in the narrative, yeah. and um, but in addition to it being, you know, all of the Austin characters get together for a house party. Yeah. It's also an Agatha Christie mystery. It is. It is, and it definitely has the the elements of an Agatha Christie mystery with everything from a. I mean, it's it's a very tight group. Um, they're yes. they're stranded um, in the yep. elements. It's um, it's got a little bit more. It feels a little bit more like uh, I know. I know you had mentioned that it felt a little bit like, and then there were none. To me, it feels a little bit more like Murder on the Orient Express because you're hmm. you've got a whole bunch of people who have a motive. Um, That's and, that is true. Yeah, and so th they have a tremendous motive for this one person being dead. With and then there were none. Lots of people are dying, and nobody. Lots understands of people are dying. It. That yeah, it, you're, it you're quite right. explains That's why. A better comparison. Um, so Murder on the Ex Orient Express, they're in a sort of trapped environment and there really can't be an answer that, that the murderer is anybody but the people who them. are part of this house party. Um, now, yeah. originally they throw some shade at the, at the servants and they're like, yeah, it's got to be a servant. No, no, first they're like, no, it has to be an outsider. I was like, there's no way it could be an outsider. No. Um, and so... Because it's yeah, just, some random so, random thief coming in. Yeah, so. it's it's not a it's not some rando deciding that this is this is gonna kill this guy that everybody hates just at random. Yeah, no, yes. that's not it. Um, and then they're like, oh, it must be a servant. And we're like, okay, that's a little bit more plausible because George Wickham is a is a cad. 
cad <laughs> thank you that's the word i'm looking yeah. for because he's a cad and it's possible that he could have pissed off somebody enough in the short amount of time that he was there for them to take yeah. his life flirted with enough chambermaids and or you know whatever it is he he could have done something that would have warranted i mean he is he is a, he's charm itself when you first meet him but if you see past that charm then he's a rake and he's he is a vile snake he is so jonathan being of the mind that he is he's always looking for the truth of things you know he's always looking for yes. what is um what makes sense to him and uh he's very logical and analytical and then juliet tilney is the daughter so catherine yeah. is a writer yeah in in and in her book she is gifted with a tremendous imagination uh, right. northanger abbey which is probably one of the least read of austin's novels mm -hmm. is all about uh, i mean she's a she's a fanfic writer you know uh Catherine right. is and and it's a you know she makes up stories about everybody around her and so it stands to reason that Juliet would then be also gifted with this with her mother's imagination yes so Catherine's a writer and, and she's not in this book she's not she's but her daughter yeah. Juliet is also has some sort of writerly instincts Yes, and, and a very active imagination. And like a lot of people her age, once has a, uh, wants to get out into the world and, and is adventure seeking and, you know, wants to, and she wants to investigate. And, you know, at this time period, the restrictions on, on women, of course, are all laid out uh, within Austin's books. Well, so she... She finds the body. Yeah, she finds the body. So she she becomes invested be primarily, firstly, because of that. She's like, okay, I need to make sense of this in some way. The initial suspects don't don't make sense to her. They don't make sense to Jonathan either. And so they have common goals while they approach it differently. However, because they are two young people of this time period, young single people, they are not allowed to be in rooms together alone. Right. It's just too tempting. It's just too tempting and things could happen. They have to be very covert about their investigations. And so a lot of it takes place, a lot of the investigation portions of it take place at night or very early in the morning. They secretly pass each other notes and, you know, talk about different things. Um, and then, of course, because they are different genders, they what they overhear is also different because the women will keep to the women topics and the men will keep to the men and so on. But both men and women have things to say. They have things to things. say. And, 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 and everybody, very strong opinions about these things. Oh, yes. And everyone has a motive here. Yeah. Uh, although some some of the motives aren't revealed immediately. It does make for, yeah. you know, there there is reveals throughout the book as to why someone might be a suspect. You know, those who are dismissed uh, firsthand as, no, 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 that's not impossible. A suspect then becomes then becomes, you know, the prime suspect at, at different points. Mm -hmm. Because this is an Agatha Christie mystery, style mystery, there has to be a detective or an inspector or something. And because a police force didn't really exist at this point, right? 
what they have to do is go to the magistrate. And the magistrate turns out to be Frank Churchill, who is a character from Emma, Mm -hmm. who has a history with Emma and Mr. Knightley. Yep. Frank Churchill was at one point in the story of Emma, uh, was a love interest, but Mm -hmm. had his loyalties uh, turned out to be elsewhere. Mm Mm-hmm. And he is in within Emma. He's painted as a bit of a cad, but he is not nearly as bad as Mr. Wickham. Now he's sort of a a middle aged man. With- yeah, he's a he's a middle aged man with a daughter, and so he comes in, you know, in his role as magistrate, comes to you know investigate, question everyone. While he takes his job seriously, the idea of doing like full crime scene investigation and that type of thing is not something that really occurs to him. No. He takes the whole incident very seriously, but he doesn't have all of the tools at his disposal that he might... He wouldn't, you know. That was not that was not a thing. At... Yeah, and, and he wouldn't for the time period. In Regency England? Yeah. There was no yeah, there, DNA you know, lab. There, there was know? no DNA lab, <laughs> but there, I mean, there wasn't even Sherlock Holmes level... Fingerprinting. Uh, no. You know, yeah. uh, that, that all, all comes that sort later. All all that comes much later in time. Yeah. But they do they do the best with what they're given. And um mm-hmm. and the murderer is discovered and the truth comes out and then we have now this dare I say budding relationship between mm-hmm. Jonathan and Juliet and there is no real there's no real romance. No, it's there is no real romance. I think that they grow very fond of each other. Yes. Yes. Definite friendship. Juliet and Jonathan start out with Jonathan sort of doing the unexpected thing, but the thing that is very uh, logical to him. When because Juliet tries to have a conversation outside of the bounds of what should be the conversation, and he kind of snaps at her about it, and so she's like, "How rude!" And he's like. This girl has no class. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. And so they they start out at odds, but when they start working on the investigation together, it's clear that they they start to admire each other's good qualities and, and their talents you know, and particularly their, you know, Jonathan becomes very he it starts to admire her intelligence yes. over over anything else really. There's a a potential triangle that it crops up with Frank Churchill's daughter Grace she's trying very hard to catch i mean yeah a firstborn darcy especially is a major catch yeah is is a hot ticket despite how awkward he is that it, it's still like oh wow i could nab myself a darcy i'd be set for life yeah but they're still you know it, as awkward as he is Pemberley's still in the mix so right and so you know Grace tries to sweetly and in a kind of slightly backstabby way drive a wedge between Juliet and Jonathan and at first Juliet's like drive away yeah I'm I'm all good yeah I don't want any of of that (laughs) it's just more for you and then it's sort of but they you know, it, it becomes increasingly clear that Jonathan is just not into whatever Grace is offering. You know, she's very lovely and everything, but she's just, she's no Juliet. 
But again, I don't think it's romantic love so much as no. But it's a definite friendship, and in a definite, it is a definite friendship. But it's also this; it's kind of this kindred spirit, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, that they understand each other well. By right, the end. and if if it if it grows to love, it would make a lot yes. of sense. And and there is the opportunity at the end of the book without really revealing any spoilers or anything that Elizabeth has then caught sort of caught the matchmaking bug, although she wisely uh, does not, does not say so to Mr. Darcy and instead, you know, suggests gently suggests that, that having Juliet as a house guest at Pemberley might be a nice idea. You know, let's uh, she's very good at getting Darcy to do what she wants him to do. Right. But in, does it, in, you know, and is very subtle about how she's doing it. Darcy's not a naive or clueless in any way, but I think he also kind of likes being manipulated by her in that way. <laughs> you yeah, know, it, I it, think uh, maybe, yeah. maybe somewhat. You know, and, and it's a gentle manipulation anyway. It's not really overbearing. Right. By the end of the book, though, there is the suggestion that that Jonathan and Juliet will meet again and that they will be brought together again. And it's true because the late Mrs. Willoughby by Claudia Gray. Oh, well then. And that excellent will feature Jonathan Darcy and Juliet Tilney again visiting this time the Brandons. Oh, wow. So there we go. You do find out a lot of secrets, you know, not just Mr. Wickham's secrets, but everybody's everybody's secrets those who arrive at the party some of them are dealing with recent tragedies some of them are dealing with some of them are dealing with family secrets some of them yeah i mean financial woes some of them you know they're they're all having these issues and which is also a very realistic thing i mean you know if you get together with a bunch of friends somebody's gonna have something going on (laughs) something yeah somebody's gonna have to you know vent about something by the end of the by the end of the time together right it's uh you know all very realistic in that way for me so this is one that i did not listen to the audiobook i have listened to samples of the audiobook. i listened to the audiobook for this first oh um which is this is a quite a departure for for us because usually i'm the eyeball reader and you're the listener um it's narrated by billy fulford brown she does a great job, I think. She's got the right voice for it, uh, you know, for the, the narrative style. She's got a good Regency sort of voice. Yeah. Her female voices are, are fantastic. She's able to, to do a, a wide range of the female voices. Um, the male voices, maybe not the best I've ever heard, but they're, they're not too bad yeah. at all. And, and they're different, so you can tell who's talking yeah. at what point. It didn't take me out of the story at all. She did a good job of of keeping me engaged in the story. It was a joy to listen to because it was just, you know, a, a good story. And the voices for the two main protagonists, Jonathan and Juliet, uh, were were nice and easy to listen to. And they were not, it was not difficult at all. So using our uh, five cup rating system, uh, what do you give? The Murder of Mr. Wickham by Claudia Gray. There, I had a couple of little issues with it, but overall, I got to give it five because I really enjoyed it. I think this is your first five. It is my first five. Wow. I'm pretty 
stingy with them. Yeah. For me, it's the perfect kind of book because it's Jane Austen. It's murder mystery. There's a little bit of romance in there, but it's not overbearing. It was one I could listen to while I was working on sort of mindless tasks at work and um, or listen to when I'm cleaning or that kind of thing. And I'd, I spent probably the first four hours of the book cleaning my closet out. <laughs> yeah, it, it ended up being a good task read. Which is the great thing for me about audiobooks is is that you yes. can take them places that you actually can't take a physical book. Right. I did eyeball read this one because it was given to me by my local independent booksellers. So what did you think of it? I also give it five cups. This to me is pretty much the perfect marriage of these two uh, differing styles. You know, Agatha Christie and Jane yeah. Austen. They're not the same. They are not the same at all. And yet I am a devotee of both. Yes. I, you know, yes. I've read most of Austen. I guess there's a couple things I haven't read from Austen. Lady Susan, I don't think I've read. Yeah, I, I can't say that I've read all of Agatha Christie, but. Pretty much all of Agatha Christie. Yeah. I get sort of Tommy and Tuppence vibes from Tilney and Darcy. Yeah, I got a little bit of that too. And actually, Tommy and uh, Tuppence are, are my favorite yeah. of them. And I really don't think that Agatha Christie gave us enough of those, frankly. I agree. <laughs> I 100% agree. I mean, I love Poirot. Yeah. Um, I love him as Marple. But, you know, Tommy and Tuppence are yeah. just great fun. The Little Belgian is, is my favorite. Yes. I've read less of Miss Marple. She's enjoyable. But yeah, Tuppence and Tommy are my are my go-tos. I've read so much Christie. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I love Agatha Christie. I mean, it's it's murder, but it's comfy. Yeah, yeah. cozy cozy mysteries. It is a cozy mystery, and she is she is kind of the the start of it. You know, it also gave me a little bit of not quite nearly so much, but there was just a touch of Dorothy Sayer and Lord Peter Whimsey in this too. Yeah, I got that too. Which I, I enjoy those as well. So I think it falls closer to Tommy and Tuppence, but I agree that it's... But there's just a, just a hint of it. And I think because we have both read a number of those that it that it reminds yep. us, of, uh, you know, uh, us of it. But yeah, definitely a five cup read and or a five cup listen. Yep. I'm a little more effusive on, on giving out the five cups, but <laughs> but this is why this works in terms of me giving you the recommendations, because mm-hmm. as someone who is new to the romance genre, then you have a different perspective. I won't say a more critical eye, but definitely a more... Well, so I, you know, because I sort of most of my reading up until this point has been in the genres of of mysteries and that kind of cozy sort of mystery and also because my viewing habits and listening habits tend towards crime or true crime that kind of thing I tend to look at the world through murder colored glasses (laughs) so not rose colored but blood red colored right through blood (laughs) Through blood-colored glasses, and so when I see some things in romance, my first reaction isn't how romantic, it's run, murderer. Danger, (laughs) danger. This guy is, he's a stalker, he's creepy. You know, you need to report this guy to the police. Oh, (laughs) listeners, I have also given Xana the Ravenhood trilogy to read, not for review, 
but the Ravenhood trilogy, Flock, Exodus, and The Finish Line by Kate Stewart. I haven't started on it yet. <laughs> She's going to be in for a lot of run away, run away. <laughs> no, that's a bad choice. You've made a bad choice. <laughs> All I will say about it, though, Zanna, is stick with it to the end of the finish line, even though you may want to just okay. chuck it all. Hey, I've read some things that I did not want to continue reading. I won't name names, but yeah, yeah, yeah. there are some, <laughs> there are definitely some books that I've read that I'm just like, I hate this. But what I do is I soldier through and I'm just, I just complain to my family. I'm like, you don't understand how stupid this is. Let me explain. <laughs> <laughs> Let me explain the plot. And they're like, what? <laughs> Why? Why is that happening? I'm like, <laughs> I don't even know. So this is what we give to this podcast is that we will never do a DNF. We will never do a do not finish on an assigned book. Oh, I will always finish it whether whether I like it or hate it. <laughs> this is the cup and saucy book club promise. <laughs> Well, that said, though, uh, your next assigned reading, I hope, will be equally as enjoyable. Your next assigned so. reading, Xana, is The Summer We Fell by Elizabeth O'Rourke. Okay. That sounds familiar. Yes, it is because Samantha Brentmore, uh, in our interview with her, mentioned this as the as the surfer romance uh, with Teddy Hamilton. Yeah. So right. this is the thing that was sort of hinted at in sprouted out of out of wish fulfillment yes Yes. and and this nice it was wished into being and here is the result it's the summer we fell by elizabeth o'rourke and it is done in duet style narration however i will say that samantha does the majority of the the work here okay teddy provides the voice of the male main character and a few others as well but it is mostly I love me some Samantha. So. Oh, yeah. But because it is from the female main character's perspective on the narrative, is it is uh, doing is Samantha doing all the heavy lifting and boy, does she do a fabulous job. Yeah, she's she's fantastic. I was happy to read this one, happy that it came along. And so I am recommending this one to you as well for our uh, next time that we review. However... Uh, we are coming up on the month of June, uh, so we, which is Pride Month, and we are going to be talking about all things LGBTQIA plus romance uh, for the next time. And we will be talking about, uh, instead of trying to decide from the plethora of LGBT romances out there, we decided that we were just going to talk about them as a whole, come up with a few recommendations, but but basically this is this is a subgenre to discover and fortunately is becoming a genre of its own, uh, which is a wonderful thing. And there's lots and lots and lots of good good contenders out there for your next uh, your next listen or your next read. So we will be talking about all of that in the next review episode in June. If you would like to read along with Xana for the summer we fell, or any of the books that we uh, recommend or discuss uh, within uh, within this episode, then please visit our website at cupandsaucybooks.com 
for links and all of the show notes with all of the details. You can also follow us on social media at Cup and Saucy Books. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. We are also on Twitter as Cup N, the letter N, Saucy Books. Let us know if you have a book you would like us to review on the show. And we hope to meet you in person as well as we got to meet so many people uh, during Readers Take Denver. So much fun. So much fun. So Zana and I will be at the upcoming Wild and Windy in the City conference, uh, which is coming up in two weeks. And Zana will be at Romance Invades the Canadian Rockies in Banff, along with Samantha Brentmore. And you get to meet her first, and I'm so jealous. Yeah. <laughs> and in June, I will be at the Chameleon Effect Experience with Joe Arden in Los Angeles. Joe Arden, as we have reviewed that book on this show, he is also going to begin a grant program that will benefit up-and-coming narrators uh, and help them get started with their equipment, which is very expensive uh, to get started for a narrator because booths cost tens of thousands of dollars, microphones cost thousands of dollars, the software, all of the equipment that is necessary to begin a solid career in, in audio narration uh, and in voiceover work in general is often prohibitive for some. And so he wanted to give back to the industry that has given him so much. And so he is beginning this uh, grant program. The uh, Chameleon Effect Experience with Joe Arden will be a fundraiser to start that yet unnamed grant and also the opportunity to hear Joe in person. He will be doing uh, excerpts from the Chameleon Effect as well as uh, new original work. And there will be other special authors, special guests that have yet to be announced. Let us know if you'll be there too. Uh, I will definitely uh, be present. Uh, We're going to be, and then we'll be going to many more book events uh, throughout the year. Thank you for joining us for the Cup and Saucy Book Club. Join us next time when we interview another special guest from the world of books. Probably go on a few tangents. Happy reading. Cheers. Cheers.